Blog Talk Radio. nicknamed SCAN, and this is SCAN edition number 3069, and SCAN is archived. You can always listen to it from the website. Before we begin, I'm going to read the NASCA mission statement. NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. We have a single purpose at NASCA, to address issues related to child abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have a Q&A call-in discussion format with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. We feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. Tonight, the special co-guest is Sonova Cantrell from Missouri an award-winning author, speaker, coach, and a lifelong seeker of knowledge and wisdom. After a decade in the world of true crime and victim advocacy, Sonova has taken her 10,000 hours of study and entered the self-help field. Sonova is a certified NLP life coach, through the American Union of NLP. She's also the owner of Silnova's Simply Biz 
author coaching service and an award-winning crime writer with over 300 cases under her belt. One of her books was even endorsed by a retired FBI agent. To top it all off, a flag was flown over the Capitol in Washington, D.C. to honor her cold case work. Now, Sonova is using her study and experience to inspire, motivate, and educate her audience. Sonova's life coaching includes elements of NLP, practical psychology, ancient principles, and biochemistry. You can live a more abundant life and enjoy the journey. On these Tuesday and Thursday episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone is invited to engage on tonight's show. You can call in to be a panelist to this number, 646. 646- Five nine five two one one eight. I'll repeat that. Please do call us six four six five nine five two one one eight. And you can pose your comments to or ask questions of our special guest Sonova. And with that, I'm going to turn the show over to Sonova. Please go ahead. Thank you, Anne. I appreciate that. And I, uh, I'm so honored to be a part of this organization. I, I know you guys have done a lot of great work helping victims of, of sexual assault, victims of violent crime, and uh, victims of child abuse. And my whole, um, my whole heart when I was writing True Crime was for the victims' family members. And so this just kind of fits into where my heart has always lied with my business was to to try to help somebody. And I am very empathic personality, and I always wish I had the ability to just take the pain away. And I realized that I couldn't take away that episode in their life that is trying so hard to destroy them. But I have found and I can say this with complete confidence, I have found something in my studies of biochemistry and neuro-linguistic programming. I have found something that can help take the edge off. I have found something that can make your life easier and make your uh, journey through this life a little um, more enjoyable, and it is not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's nothing that is harmful to you, it is a way of literally rewiring your brain to focus on the positive, and that is what I wanted to share tonight, Um, surviving Christmas with gratitude is the topic that I had tonight, and I figured I would start out with that until Annie called interrupts me and tells me that we have someone call in with a question or a topic they want to talk about. 
Um, okay, Christmas that sounds perfect. Is, okay, Christmas is so difficult for so many people. And the first thing I want everyone to understand is Christmas is what you make of it. Now, the religious people, they, they tend to worship, you know, the Christ child. Well, I'm sorry, you do your study, your, your biblical history, your secular history, you will find out that that child, Jesus, was not born on the 25th of December. This is just the day set aside to, to do that. Then you've got, you've got the Santa Claus that comes in. But before all of that, this was a pagan holiday. And if you go back to the very beginnings of what December 25th was, it was actually a holiday for Nimrod, as in the likes of the, the story where, um, of the Tower of Babel and all of that, if you study ancient history. So, Throughout time, somebody has relabeled this day and this season many, many, many times. And I'm not here to discuss religion with anyone or theology, but I do know that there's a lot of good principles that you can take out of these holy books and live your life with them, and they will make your life better. So if I quote a scripture Please let your, please know that it's not because I'm trying to preach to anyone, but it is a it's a philosophy to live by, whether you're religious or not. And so that's kind of my my warning label, you know. But the thing is, is if this season has been labeled so many drastic different things, so many different times, why can't you label it again? And the answer is, you can. And this is what we really need to understand. Our Christmas gets to be stressful and depressing and hard to handle when a few different things happen. One, we allow society to paint the picture of what Christmas should be. And we don't match. Our life story doesn't match that picture. Okay, so that causes stress and trauma. Perhaps... You know, I know a lot of people on, the, on this platform, perhaps your Christmas is tainted in your eyes because you are supposed to be going to this event and your abuser will be there, okay? But then we allow the pressures of family to bully us into doing something that puts us in a very uncomfortable situation, Okay. So that's something that happened. In my case, we've lost 15 people in the last two and a half years. And so the picture that I have in my head of what Christmas should be, there's gaps in it. There's holes in it. There's things that's not happening anymore. There's lifelong traditions that the person that held that together is gone. So now we're trying to figure out a new normal, what our new Christmas looks like. And when we get to that point where we are allowing the external things, people, society, all of the marketing we see on television and online, when we allow that to control our label of what Christmas should be, that is when we're in trouble. That is when we're going to have more stress, more trauma, and we're going to literally not enjoy this holiday, but you are also going to end up 
hurting our own bodies because this is something I talked about on a show I did yesterday um, on another platform. What people don't realize is every thought you think, your brain has different sections that have different jobs. And as soon as your brain has a negative thought or a positive thought, it sends out chemicals into your body accordingly. So if you're stressed out, it sends out cortisol and it sends out adrenaline. And those things are fine in short bursts. But unfortunately, what happens is in our society and especially this time of year, we stay in a constant state of stress. Well, what people don't understand is our bodies literally start dying on the inside out when we get in those levels of stress. When your body is filled with cortisol and adrenaline, let me tell you what happens to your body, okay? When you're stressed out, it's supposed to be a fight or flight thing. It's supposed to give you a chance to get away from that bear in the woods, okay? Well, your brain doesn't care if your body is, is doing its normal functions. It just wants to live. So it doesn't care if you digest your hamburger that you just ate. It will stop digesting food. Your body will stop digesting food. Your liver and your kidneys will stop filtering out the toxins in your system. So all of those toxins start being released into your bloodstream, released into your muscle tissue, released wherever, because your liver and kidneys can't hold them, okay? So if that's not bad enough, you start depriving different unnecessary functions in your body of oxygen. So part of your brain literally stops functioning and starts becoming oxygen deprived. So the amygdala, the fear center of your brain, it gets all of the oxygen. The rest of your brain, that, uh, that point in your mind that helps you think clearly, helps you make rational decisions, helps you, you know, focus on things, all of that is shut down, okay? Your cells stop reproducing, your muscle tissues stop rebuilding themselves. Literally, you start dying from the inside out. Now, this is supposed to just last for a few moments while you fight off that bear and you get away. But nowadays, through this Christmas holiday, we are bombarded with, you should be doing this. You have to go to the office Christmas party. You have to bake this pie. You have to go to this family reunion, even though your, your, abuse, uh, your abuser is sitting right across the table at you. You, you have to go do these things. You have to have a bigger tree than so-and-so down the street. You have to get your kids all of these things. The problem is every one of those little stressors, they pile up and they become the bear. Unfortunately, we stay in that state for way too long. And a doctor that I follow, his work, he said that, you could take 70 to 75% of all modern ailments, cancer, you know, the main, big ones, the little ones, they all start with an inflammation issue which starts from too much cortisol and stress in your body. So you literally start out being so overstressed, your body starts decaying from the inside out, and you come down with disease. And so he's like, if we could somehow break that chain, well, 
this is what I came on the show tonight to tell you. When you think happy thoughts, when you think on gratitude, there are studies uh, all over the Internet about how gratitude affects your biochemistry. Literally, your brain will flood your body full of good chemicals, serotonin, um, dopamine, all of these things that give you the feeling of bliss, that literally heal you from the inside out. So tonight, that's why I chose this topic. I want to let you know there is hope in breaking that chain. Do we have someone on the line yet, Annie? We do, and thank you so much for what you said. I'm, I'm taking notes furiously here. It's very interesting. We have on the line Cricket, and let Hi, me Cricket. put her in. <laughs> Hi, Cricket. Would you like to speak with Sonova? Yes. Um, I, was, I, I just got something in the mail that kind of goes with this topic. Um, I had to get some teeth pulled, so I can't get anybody Christmas gifts. So last month, I ordered a Grinch costume, so I can bring joy that way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) See, that is great, because when you have something come up and you can't meet that society says the picture of Christmas has to be this way and what you did right there you just literally refocused and said wait a minute I'm in control of what my label for Christmas looks like and instead of this I'm going to make it this and so very good very good Uh, she uh, Cricket is one of my coaching clients and so she's probably heard all of this that I have to say before but I love her she always calls in she always supports and I don't know what I would do without Cricket that's for sure she's amazing you're amazing I met Sonova what what was it like six or seven years ago our paths crossed um yeah. On missing persons advocacy. And I yeah. have watched you just grow so much and I am so proud of you. I know well, I say I'm that all the time, too. but I'm so proud uh, of you. Well, well, I remember uh, when you and I met, you and I uh, had some conversations and you were having a hard time when we met and you were having issues with depression and anxiety and and different things, and and I've seen you grow and become and and go and do, and uh, so I'm I'm proud of your growth as well. Oh, thank you. I wouldn't have gotten here without you. <laughs> oh. <Wonderful. laughs> okay. Uh, so we we um, also have on the line. Sonova, we have Kim on the line, and I'd like to invite Kim to make a comment or ask a question. Kim? Yes, please. Well, hi, Sonova. Um, yeah, Hello. like Annie said, I just, um, you know, listening very intently because it does all make a lot of sense, and, um, you know, I've had losses as well. Around the holidays and, and then birthdays of people that have been lost around the holidays, you know, and so things like that just do take a toll on you, I think, for many years. So thank you for what you're doing again. And 
coming in. I just listen. I don't really have a question to thank you. Well, I will just continue on then. And uh, Annie, feel free to okay. stop me anytime, okay? All right. Okay. Well, this is what I want. Okay. All right. Well, this is what I want you to understand. You know, we hear this saying it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is not. It is not the most wonderful time of the year. If you go through the lyrics of that song, it talks about carolers and out in the snow and marshmallows roasting and all of these things. Well, if you think about it, nobody really carols anymore. There's, you know, with the pandemic and things that were going on, uh, for a while we couldn't even get together. And now when people do get together, they're a little nervous and they're a little standoffish and things just aren't the same. Okay. And so what makes it the most wonderful time of the year is your mindset, your choices, and your uh, decision to make it the best time possible. And how do we do that? We have to reprogram, first of all, what we think it should be, and we need to let go of the stereotypes. I know I used to go caroling when I was younger, and I was part of a group, and now that group's not even together, and half of them don't talk to the other half, and I don't even know what happened, and I'm sitting here in the middle, and there's no one to sing with, and now we couldn't go into all those nursing homes to sing anyways because of covid so, um, but that was a wonderful, beautiful memory. That was a wonderful time that we got to do that. So how do you pick and choose? Because especially people that listen to this show, you, I know for a fact that it is so easy to focus on all of the negative things, and it's so hard to pull away from them and focus on the positive so why is that? Well, our brains are hardwired for survival. They're not hardwired for our best interest. Our brain is an electronic switching station that our best science still hasn't figured out. And it is hardwired for its own survival. It is not hardwired for our best interest. So we think, well, why would it be, why would we focus on the negative constantly if, if our brains were trying to be, you know, do the best thing for us? It's not. It wants to survive, so it's going to remind you, okay, this was a dreadful, horrible time. We can't let this happen again because we don't want to die. You know, that's the way our brain thinks. That's the way the amygdala, the fear center of our brain works. And the thing is, is the more cortisol that you, every thought, brings cortisol. Some people say that we have 100,000 thoughts a year. I've seen another. I read all these science studies and things. One said 400,000 thoughts. I'm thinking with my ADH spastic brain, it's probably closer to the 400,000 <laughs> thoughts a day. But uh, think about it. They said 75 to 80% of it is negative. Now, would anybody in their right mind go to their doctor and say, give me 100,000 shots of cortisol in this right arm today, please? No, we wouldn't do that. The doctor would say, you're insane. But we do it to ourselves. And this is what we really need to understand. Every time we do that, we're literally 
putting our the the good parts of our brain that really try to work to to think things through the 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 hippocampus and all these different parts of our brain. I'm trying not to get too scientific, but all of the parts of our brain, the reasoning side, all of our memories, all of those things, all of that higher functioning side of our brain is getting oxygen deprived every time we get another shot in the arm full of cortisol. Okay, so we're literally putting that at a disadvantage. So what can we do to break that cycle? Because I will be honest with you, I am having some severe stressful times in my life right now. I won't go into details, but it is real easy to have just a complete meltdown mess. And then you're like, what happened? How did I get to that point? It's because you cannot think straight when your, you know, the higher functioning parts of your brain haven't had oxygen in, in, in hours and hours because you've been dwelling on this negative. So what do we do? Well, I have some different things that you can do. It's real easy to say, well, think about something else. Well, that's, that's easier said than done. That, it, it, Yes, if we could just do that and, and wave a magic wand and just change it, poof, all of our problems would be gone. But that's not the way it works. This is what's so exciting and the reason why I really decided I have to start telling people about this. People used to tell my parents' generation that after a certain age, your gray matter starts dying off and you can't do anything to fix that. You're just done. Well, now they realize that they, they call it neuroplasticity, meaning our brain can function and rewire itself constantly till the day we're dead. It literally can rewire and reroute and build more gray matter. Now, there was a study done, and I can't remember if it was the UCLA or if it was a different study. I, I read so much I get them confused. But there was a study out there that studied um, – middle-aged and older people, and 20-year-olds. So they compared, they compared brains, okay? Well, first thing they did was they compared people that practiced gratitude for 15 minutes every morning before they started their day. They did it for, I can't remember if it was six months or a year or whatever. But they did this, and they literally took, you know, they measured their brain movement, you know, all of that. They put it all up to see how their brain fires and everything. Afterwards, the people that practice gratitude for 15 minutes a day, they literally had 20% more brain matter. Now, they're like, well, this is interesting. Okay, so this means that they get more gray matter when they're, when they're focusing on gratitude. How does that work? So then they decided, I want to see if, if you can practice gratitude at an older age, you know, and then if it affects you and if you can reverse the processes compared to a 20-year-old. So they did the same thing. They put them on the same gratitude um, regimen every day for 15 minutes every morning, and they literally found that people over 40 could replace their gray matter and have the brain power of a 20-year-old. So you can literally reverse these things, your brain is, is, is plastic. It can be molded and shaped and re re rewired. And so this is what's so powerful about gratitude. 
Do we have anyone on the line? Um, I think I'm. I'm sorry. Did you ask me something? Yeah. Do we have anyone on the line before I jump into the next thing? I wasn't sure. I'm so sorry. I don't hear well. Uh, we have Cricket, okay. Kim, and myself so far, and okay. I just want to so chime in and say, yeah. yeah, I just want to chime in and say it happened to me. I, I ran on stress for too many years, and my doctor told me that my adrenal glands, where the cortisol comes from, were flatlined, and I was very sick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it happens. I'm not mm-hmm. sick anymore. Yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Yay. So uh-huh. please, okay. please continue. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So, well, we, uh, I wanted to talk about how your, your, your brain functions on gratitude. Well, here's the thing. For one, there's a chance you can reroute things. So I've been studying some neuroscience. They've been studying what trauma does to the brain, okay? They've been studying how it affects the brain and how the brain reroutes things after someone's, you know, suffered severe trauma. But the good thing is you can reverse that. You can change that. You can reroute it around it. The way the brain works is um, you, you've heard this saying that someone's hardwired you know, someone's an addict or something. Well, they're just hardwired to do that way. That's the way they're hardwired. Well, I want you to think of your brain as the cords that go in a in a power cord. Now, if you take that rubber or that plastic sheath off, there's three or four cords in there. Well, that's the way our brains are. Our brains have these little lightning strikes between the ends, the synapses of your brain, different parts of your brain, okay? Well, you run that pattern so many times through your brain, I'm going to go to the negative, I'm going to go to the negative, constantly negative, negative, negative. You literally, your brain wants to flip as much over as it can to the subconscious mind and make it a habit so you can, uh, it can focus on other things. So what it does is after you run that same circuit so many times, it will encase it in a a sheath of fat, and it seals it, okay? So when you say someone's hardwired with addiction or, or something like that or someone's very stressed all the time or something, they have literally hardwired this connection to negativity in their brain. The good thing is you can force yourself to reroute, you know, you can put this big detour sign up, in, up there and say, nope, we're not going to negative going to do positive. Sonoma says positive. And so you do that long enough, though, that fatty tissue around that, that little connection in your brain will deteriorate, and your brain will build a new one. It'll build a new connection, a new hard wiring to whatever you build it. You know, they're starting to study how to rewrite, reroute your, your movement in your brain to, you know, to help people with all kinds of mental illness and health, you know, people that are, you know, had actual limbs severed and problems with their physical body, you know, the, the brain is magnificent. And so I want to let you guys know all this without trying to get too technical, just so you know there's hope. 
there is a way. You don't have to get hopeless and say, well, that's just the way I am or that's just the way I'm hardwired or I was just born that way. Well, you don't have to stay that way. Now, here's something exciting. When you practice gratitude, science tells us you literally physically cannot be grateful and fearful or stressed at the same time. Now you say, so no, but that's ridiculous. It's true. Here's the way it works. There is only one pathway in your neocortex to your brainstem for the brain to send out these chemicals, good or bad, okay? When you are actively focusing on gratitude, when you're actively focusing on the positive and really feeling it, I'm not one of those that say list five things you're thankful for and move on. No, you have to feel it, okay? Emotion is what really solidifies it, okay? So when you do that, that neocortex shuts the gate to the amygdala, which is the fear center, where the thing that sends out all the cortisol and stress, it shuts that gate, and then it uses that pathway to send out the good chemicals. So we might be in such a stiff habit that we will flip back and forth real fast, but there for that instant, that flash of a moment, we have shut off the fear center of our mind. Now, I don't know who's listening to this, but I can tell you one thing. If you've suffered trauma, I don't know anyone who suffered trauma that wouldn't like to shut that fear center off a little bit, who wouldn't like to lay down and sleep and be able to shut that fear center off, shut those bad memories off, to be able to say, just give me a little bit of a break from this. And this is how you do it. Because the more you practice this, the more you get into a state of gratefulness, the more you, you get into that, you will literally build a new pathway in the synapses of your brain. You will literally build a new pathway and deteriorate the old one. Now, I can't cure anyone. I can't guarantee that you'll never have a negative thought. But I can tell you, if you have suffered child abuse, and now you're an adult struggling with this, this is a very powerful tool that will reroute your mind with enough time and enough. You have to have the, the, the motivation to, to keep it up. You have to keep working. You know, they say, well, you need 21 days to build a new habit. Well, technically, that's not true. You need three cycles of 21 to build a new habit. But even if it takes 21 times, if it takes 21,000 times, every time you do it, you're giving your body a boost of those chemicals that your brain makes, your body makes, that literally reproduces your cells. It literally reproduces your, your muscle tissue. It heals you from the inside out. And that's the reason why I created a gratitude journal that says Surviving Christmas with Gratitude because I know during this time of year, for some it's wonderful and bliss, but for so many, some are vocal about it, but even so many more quietly dread this time of year. They quietly, their anxiety levels go up, their blood pressure goes up, 
and they just keep pushing through and trying to make it till January. And so this is the topic that I felt like we needed to talk about tonight just because the season, this season is so hard for people. Now, does anybody on the call have a comment? I'm going to get a quick drink of water. Thank you. Uh, let me call on Cricket. Would you like to have anything to say, Cricket? Um, yes. Um, when Sonova was talking about how you can rewire your brain, that is 100% true. I rewired my own brain. Um, I used to have severe, and I mean severe, post-traumatic stress disorder. And how I got through it was I would force myself to go to the store at night knowing I was going to have these panic attacks. And I did this every night until I stopped having those panic attacks. And wow. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, you, you have to force yourself to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son, he had a sensory integration dysfunction. So I, I was a, a child care uh, provider for years. So I kind of figured it out and I just did my own occupational therapy with me or with him to rewire his brain so that the things that he was afraid of, he's no longer afraid of. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. I'll uh, see. That's the thing you have to have. First of all, you have to have the knowledge to know that it's not hopeless. You know, there's, there's people out there this time of year that feel hopeless. They feel like they're the only one going through this and they they feel like there's no hope. So the first thing you did in that situation, whether you realized what you were doing or not, you realized that there was a there was a hope and you made a decision in your mind that you were gonna fight and you were gonna to try to change things. You didn't know if it would work. You just thought, I've gotta try. And so the first thing that people need to do that are listening to this, they need to understand one, they're not alone. And two, there's hope. And then once you can get a good grasp on those two things, then we just need to spark that fight. And and once you get that fire going inside, then nothing can stop you. You know, then nothing can keep you from changing those habits, re rewiring those those brain uh, synapses, and and overcoming those things. But you have to get those first two points down and really digest them and understand that you can do this. There is hope out there. And uh, so kudos to you, Cricket. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, Thank you, Cricket. People just have to yes. realize don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. No, no. Because right. people don't understand. There's nothing to give up to. There, what are you going right. to give up to, really? What are, there's nothing to give up to. Um, this is a quote that I've seen, and I can't remember who said it, so I apologize. I can't get, uh, attribute it because I'm not sure who said it first. This is something that I've had twisted my whole life. It says, it's not happiness that brings us gratitude. It's gratitude that brings us happiness. And so I thought, 
I've always had that twisted. I always thought, well, so-and-so will do this and I will be happy. Or I will achieve this and I will be happy. Or this great, big, wonderful thing is going to happen and then I will be happy and grateful. Well, this comes from the inside out, and this is something that I've been trying to do myself. And if you ask my husband, he's like, she's trying, all right. She's trying with patience, you know, probably. Because I am, I'm not, I don't have it all done. I'm not there, you know. And I had some people say, well, you can't be a life coach because you haven't got it all together yet. And I said, well, anybody that says they have it all together, I have to, I have to, a question, because um, if you have it all together and you are 40 years old and you have everything all together, then come and coach me by all means. I want to know, you know. But here's the thing. I always said when I decided to do this, I was going to be real and honest with people. I had emotional meltdowns in the last couple of weeks, and I wasn't happy with it. I was upset. How did I get so stressed out, okay? So it is not something that I can just say it's easy, it's done. But I can tell you, I have been working and focusing on living more from the inside out. There was a wonderful quote in uh, Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. It says, in life, you can either be the thermometer or the thermostat. Now, think about that. The thermometer just reports what's going on around it. The thermostat controls the temperature around it, okay? And so you can either be proactive in your life or reactive. And to be proactive, you need to live from the inside out. You need to realize that what's inside here is what's going to reflect outside. So you're not going to be grateful out here. You're not going to be happy out here until you choose to be grateful and happy in here. Okay, it all comes from inside. It, it's from it's an inside out is what we need to do. I think Bob Proctor has a uh, a coin that says inside out, and it's just to it's one of those things you put in your pocket and you can rub, you know, and remind you of the lesson. But we need to live inside out. We don't need to live so reactively to everything. Um, and so this is what I want to, I wanted to give you guys, if you hear papers in the background, it's because I study a lot and I have my notebook of, of notes and everything here because I keep forgetting, you know, who did what study and I try to remember as much as I can. So, but I want to quote it correctly for you. The UCLA did a study and they, they did a study, um, that says that when you regularly express gratitude, it changes the molecular structure of the brain. So they were showing how you can literally reroute your brain with a regular practice of gratitude. A 2018 study by the Greater Good Science Center, they showed that a group of people that studied uh, uh, practice gratitude every day, and I'm talking 15 minutes. I'm not talking you know, all day long, oh, this is wonderful, thank you for the sunshine. You know, you don't have to be crazy about it, okay? If you want to jump down uh, the sidewalk and, oh, this, no, that, if you have time for that, good for you. Um, if you don't, just be grateful on the inside out, okay? So, but here's what they show, the study shows. You have increased happiness, you have more satisfaction with life, you've got better sleep, less fatigue, less 
depression, less anxiety, you have a better immune system, you fight stress and pain, you have more longevity, it lowers your heart rate and your blood pressure. So I'm thinking, I want all of those things. I want those things. I want to be able to to have better blood pressure. I want to give my, you know, uh, my body some healthy hormones. And so uh, Ralph Marston said, happiness is a choice. It's not a result. Nothing will make you happy until you choose to be happy. Now, this is something that seems kind of harsh because you think, well, how am I supposed to be happy? I, I worked with uh, Marianne at Missouri Nissing, and she told me recently that this is the 20th Christmas she has to have without her daughter because the case is unsolved. Everyone knows who killed her, but he won't tell her where her daughter's body is, and he and the police aren't doing anything about the case. How am I supposed to tell her to be happy? How am I supposed to tell her it's the most wonderful time of the year? This is how you do it. And this is the reason why everything I do, I share with her. And she goes, you've got to tell people this. Because the more she dwells on that, that missing piece of her puzzle, the more she dwells on that missing piece, the uglier her Christmas puzzle turns out to look. Okay? So this is the thing, though. We have the ability to change this. She decided at one point in time, she said she went from, uh, curled up in a ball, uh, hyperventilating, and she was crying so hard in the kitchen floor, to, I'm going to live anyways. I'm going to make my daughter's memory mean something. And so she cre- she helped co-create Missouri Missing and, and, and pushes forward that way and helps trauma victims and things. But at one point in time, she chose that she was going to be happy, she was going to keep living, and she was going to... Uh, she was going to make her life count for something. And so at that point, she had that turning point. She chose. Now, this is, uh, this is a quote that uh, I want to give you. It says, in everything give thanks. And that is a scripture that is misread and misinterpreted all the time. And this is the reason why I don't get into big theological discussions with people because they, they'll take a part of a piece of something and try to make a whole religion out of it. This says, in everything gives thanks. It does not say for everything gives thanks. It says in spite of things give thanks. Every religion on the planet, both past and present, all have a sensual theme of of give thanks. Why? Somebody, something, the creative force in the universe is wanting to say, wake up. If you're not thinking on positive things, if you're not practicing gratitude, you're killing yourself from the inside out. You know, so whatever your religious preference is, is really irrelevant because they all say, give thanks. The Buddhists, Give thanks. Islam, give thanks. Christianity, give thanks. All of them, Hindu, they're all about being grateful. Why? Because it's that important for us. We must take time to refocus or we will kill ourselves. And not by any kind of suicidal means. We will kill ourselves from the inside out because we will not focus on something else. 
And so this is what I, I like to tell people. Thoughts are things. Thoughts are creative. They literally have power. Your words that you tell yourself, if you're like me and how I've been in the past, I will say I'm working on it and I'm doing a whole lot better now. If you're like me or like I was, some of the words that you say to yourself, some of those labels that you label yourself with are so horrible, you wouldn't dare say them to somebody else. So why are we saying it to ourselves? Because this is a habit that we've got into. It may stem from the abuse that you received as a child. It may have stemmed from there's so much abuse that's verbal that is not talked about. And we, we talk about physical abuse and everybody goes, oh, my goodness, you know, over over physical abuse. We talk about sexual abuse, and everybody goes, oh, my gosh, how could someone do that to a child? But how many things were said in your childhood that you might not consciously remember, but they're stuck in the subconscious part of your brain, and they have built into this massive problem, this inferiority complex, this depression, this anxiety? You need to understand that. Other people's words do not define you. What you choose to say to yourself can reroute those things. It can kick out that box that's in your mind's attic there that's holding so much pain. It can kick that box out of your mind's attic. It can throw it away. It can reroute around it and say that's irrelevant information, okay? That's what we want to do during this holiday season. We really want to understand that we have the ability to make this whatever we choose to make this. I choose, and this is something you can say to yourself in the mirror, I choose to make this the best Christmas I can. I choose to enjoy this day. I choose to keep living. I choose, okay? Because sometimes we have to verbalize it, and it gives it power sometimes. Because we might say it to ourselves, but it doesn't really stick, okay? So saying these things in the mirror, you know, look yourself in the eye, and it's really hard to lie to yourself in the eye. You know, say, look, look at whatever that is inside you that's looking out of your eyes. That essence of your humanity right there, that energy Whatever's looking out of there, that is you. That's the real you. And that is hard to lie to. So look yourself in the mirror and say, I will make this a good Christmas. I will put on that Grinch costume and make the kids have a good time. I will do what I can do for others and for myself because I'm valuable and I want to spread joy this year. Okay, so this is what we want to do. Um, I want to. Do we have anybody that has a comment or anything? Because I'm I'm going to talk about um, the concept of gatherings because gatherings are so traumatic this time of year. But I don't want to go on and somebody be there wanting to say something. Well, this is Annie, and and I have two little comments if you don't mind. One is that I have a guru whose whose podcast I listen to every 
week, and it's a non-for-profit podcast and all that. It's about mm-hmm. neuroscience, and and his name mm-hmm. is Andrew Huberman. Mm-hmm. And so, if you if you want to know more about everything Sonova is saying, he explains all that stuff in great detail. And Sonova, I actually mm-hmm. understood some of what you said, and I'm proud of myself for that. And another thing <laughs> I wanted to add. I wanted to add that I have a m- mantra, and, and I believe that the mantra hardwires and so that what you say becomes mm-hmm. what you believe. This is my mantra. I didn't make it up. I read it somewhere. This is my mantra. I am good. I am happy. I am free from pain. Mm. That's it. Good. Good. I love it. Yes. I uh, I took a... Um, a scripture and and or I thought was a scripture and um, I read it several years later and realized that I kind of had it twisted and that wasn't really what it said but it still worked because it was an affirmation that changed my mindset when I had an accident in high school that damaged seven spots in my spine I had a complete nervous breakdown when I was 25 and I had my son um, I had to rebuild myself back up but I was in severe extreme pain, and nobody could figure out what it was. It ended up, finally, a few years later, they figured out I had fibromyalgia. Well, that fatigue and that uh, stress, physical stress of pain, and then comes the anxiety of unless God does something miraculous, which I believe in healing and, and things, you can do what you want with it, but... I knew that unless something drastic changed, I was going to do this for the rest of my life. I was going to wake up with the body feeling like a 90-year-old when I'm 40. I'm going to have to fight every moment of my life to get up and keep moving. And that got so depressing. I just literally started falling apart. And I I came up with this little mantra, and it says, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I will live, I will not die, I will declare the works of the Lord. And so I would go out in nature and I would be in so much pain, but I would walk through the trees and I would kind of touch the trees and I would feel the nature around me, you know, getting that sense, you know, um, and I would listen to the birds and I will live, I will not die, you know, because whether you believe in God or not, there's a creative force and a destructive force in nature. In, in the universe around us, and whatever you call them, I don't really, it's, that's up to you. But I'm thinking, whatever that creative force is, I want to be in line with that, and I'm going to live, I'm not going to die, and I'm going to declare the work of this, you know, and that's what I'm going to do. And I did that over and over and over again, and it literally pulled me out of that. And I ended up getting that warrior mentality. And so every morning I get up, I, I get myself around. doesn't matter whether I'm in pain or not. I'm going, I'm doing. I, I don't sit down for five minutes. I keep running. But those mantras, what those things do, and this is, you know, getting back into neuroscience, what those things do is those things reprogram your subconscious mind. You say them over and over and over again. Just everybody knows that you tell a kid they're stupid and they're going to start believing it, okay? So you don't you dare say stuff like that to children. 
You know what I mean? But here's the thing. That's because as a child, before they're, they're to a certain age and they're fully functional, their subconscious is more open and more like a sponge, and it sucks up all of that. So you can say that to an adult and it just bounces off, but you say it to a kid and it sinks in, okay? Well, it's because their subconscious is still open. That sponge hasn't dried out yet, you know? And so this is why, but what we don't realize is things get in there and we start believing it. And so we can reverse those things by telling ourselves something else. And that's the way affirmations work. You, you need to put them in a positive light. You need to, you know, uh, you need to spin them to where they're all positive words. You don't want to use a lot of negative heavy words because that will sink in there and your, your affirmations will actually do more damage. So we don't want to do that. So, uh, okay, so we're going to talk about the family gatherings, the dreaded family gatherings. During Christmas time, and this is something that I've never, never really understood, maybe I'm a little more cynical, maybe I'm not uh, sentimental enough, maybe I'm just something wrong with me, I don't know. But I have never understood why you have to get together with a group of people that don't care enough about you to be a part of your life during the 364 other days of the year. Now, I realize some family lives far away and you can only get together once. Um, you know, there's you know, different reasons why you can only get together once. But this is something that I really want you to understand. You only have so much life. Nobody knows. You may die tonight. You may die in the morning. You may die before this radio show is over. You may have 30 years. You may have five years. We don't know. But here's the thing. Every single day is, is so, so valuable. How many billionaires, millionaires do you see that literally would give up everything they had at the end of their lives because they lose their health and they're dying? All of a sudden, all that stuff doesn't matter anymore. They just want another day. Well, you can't buy another day. You can't manifest another day. And so... Here's the thing. If you could place a value on every 24-hour increment in your life, it would be priceless. I have 15 people missing this year at Christmas time. Now, I didn't have Christmas with every one of them, but there are 15 people that's not there. Now, what would I give for one more day with each one of these? I would give everything I have for one more day with each one of those, but I can't. On the reverse side of that, if you have been a victim of child abuse, if you have been sexually abused as, as a kid, and then your family or, or your friends are trying to push you into going, this is what I want to ask you before you make the decision to go or to stay home. I want to ask you this. Are you in the point in your healing where that person is going to trigger you emotionally? If you're to the point of your healing that that person doesn't bother you any, you can stare them in the eye, you don't get angry, you don't get happy, you don't get nothing because that person's irrelevant. If you can get to that point, praise God, you go. 
okay? But if you're not to that point, and this is pretty drastic, and I may make some people mad, but you are literally killing yourself a little bit more if you go sit across from the table from that person and you feel massive amounts of anger, you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel stress, because you are again filling your body with those shots of cortisol. Now, is it worth another piece of your life to give to that person again? I say it's not. Now, you are going to get bullied from this family member and pushed from that family member and this and that, but it's up to you. Are you going to give another piece of your existence to that abuser? You gave them too much already. They have taken enough for you. And as far as I'm concerned, they don't, you don't owe anybody there that much. You don't owe anybody at that party so much that you, you have to give a piece of your life away again. Okay? Now, that might be kind of harsh, and you might say, oh, well, that's, too, that's, not, you, that's not feasible. Well, it's up to you because that person has stolen enough they don't deserve any more of you. And you only have so many 24-hour increments left. You only have so many Christmases left. And if you think about the whole of your life, um, you don't really have that many Christmases, you know. If you think about it, I'm 42. I've had this will be my 42nd Christmas, okay. Well, if I die tomorrow, I've had 42 Christmases. I don't want to give this one to somebody who causes me stress. I don't want to give this one to the abuser that uh, was in my childhood that I, I had to deal with. I, I'm not giving it to them. If they're going to be there, I'm staying home. And nobody is going to say anything that changes my mind. And they don't, you don't have to feel bad about it is the main thing because you deserve peace on your day. Okay, so this is what I I want you guys to understand. Nobody is worth that much of you. Don't give them another piece of it. Okay, so how can we survive the chaos of this year, of this time of year? First, we've talked a lot about changing your focus to gratitude. Change your focus to the friends and family that you do have. Change your focus to the ones that support you, not the ones that hurt you. Turn your focus to something else. Find beauty in, in the Christmas lights, you know. Drive around and find beauty in just the light. You can find beauty this time of year if you look for it. Now, here's one that I absolutely love, and I will tell you every day that I do this, my day is 100% better than it would have been if I hadn't. I have, I thought I'd come up with it, but I didn't. It's called laughter therapy. And 15 minutes a day, I do my gratitude and then by the end of the evening, um, I want something to kind of lift me up. Or I might flip-flop it and I'll do my laughter therapy in the morning and my gratitude in the evening, just one or the other. So laughter therapy is where you turn on something that literally makes you belly laugh. You turn on something um, that literally just makes you cry. You're laughing so hard. And you do that for 15 minutes. Now they say... When you're laughing, 20 seconds of real heavy belly laughing is so good for your heart, it's as if you've done three minutes on the rowing machine at the gym, 
And I'm thinking, wow, let's count that out. I need to last for how many minutes and I got my workout in. Well, it's not quite the way it works. But it does fill your body full of those chemicals. Good. So here you might have gotten a shot of cortisol at breakfast and then because so-and-so said something and you're like, oh, okay, no, let's get some laughter therapy. Let's push all that out of our system, okay, and let's go to work. Then somebody next door in the cubicle next door to you is being a jerk and you're like, oh. And so every time you get that cortisol spike, I want you to turn your focus to something else to the point where you get a habit of it. Now, there's one particular person that's caused me so much trouble. I have literally been in my mind, every time this person goes off, I am thinking of them. You remember those old court jesters that had the funky hats with the bells and the little shoes and they did? I have pictured them in that kind of costume doing that. And so now, every time that they go off, I'm sitting here in my mind. I have to work really hard to keep my face straight. But in my mind, I am laughing my head off. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is all of these things are just refocusing tools to get you away from that adrenaline and that cortisol. So this is, this is what I want you to do. Okay, so turn your focus was the first thing, how to survive the chaos. Second one is realize you're not alone and don't be physically alone if you don't have to because the worst thing you can do if you're battling depression and anxiety is to be alone okay the worst thing you can do is let those that darkness and that mental chaos overtake you at christmas time the worst thing you can do so be with like-minded people as in people that have been through things not people that are going to sit there and moan and groan, people that are going to rehash the pain. That's just going to make it worse. Be with people that have been through what you've been through and come out the other side. You know, be with someone like Cricket who has a mindset of pushing through. We're going to get through this. Okay? Be with someone that lifts you up. Okay? Talk to a therapist. You know, make sure you have someone to talk to because it is so important because so many times – we, our minds go crazy thinking the negative and then just verbalizing it out, getting it out lets you release it, you know. So talk to somebody. Do not sit there alone and let the darkness overtake you. Here's a third way to survive the chaos. Change the tradition. Tradition is something that someone has created at some point in time. And this is something, kind of just something funny, uh, popped in my head, you know, a little bit of ADHD spastic moment. My kids always make up crazy words, and I do too. And I'm like, that's not a word. And even my nine-year-old goes, yeah, but you told me somebody made up words at some point in time, so everything's actually a made-up word. And I was like, well, yes, technically everything is a made-up word. So are traditions. Somebody at some time decided this was something that needed to be done at this time of the year, and they decided everybody had to do it. Well, why? If we decided it was a tradition, everybody jumped outside in the snow, uh, butt naked, and froze to death, and we all had to go to the hospital later because we had frostbite and bitten toes and whatever else, um, why would anyone do that tradition? Well, this is how ridiculous traditions are. Somebody has said this is what we're going to do, and then everybody's like, okay, well, 
if the tradition doesn't serve you, if the tradition causes you pain, if the tradition brings up trauma, then by all means, rewrite that tradition. Nobody says there's no tradition police that's going to come through and arrest you because you changed great-grandmother's tradition or something that is irrelevant nowadays, okay? So change the tradition. Change your idea of the perfect Christmas. This is the last one, how to survive the holidays. We all have this picture of what we think Christmas should be, all of the commercials show perfection, all of, all, of the, all of the TV shows show perfection, all of Hallmark Channel, the, I hate the Hallmark Channel. It's like perfect, everyone's beautiful and everything's expensive and there's nobody poor and there's nobody that can, you know, everything, everybody's drop dead gorgeous and, and nobody's overweight, nobody has health problems and I'm like, yeah, so unrealistic. And then I'm thinking people out there and me myself at certain times in my life would see that and we would be depressed by it because we can't live up to that. We can't become that. We can't, uh, we can't, we strive for that. And I'm like, I still have weight to lose. I can't look like that. You know, I'm too short you know, I can't look like a, you know, a bikini model. I'm, I'm five foot two. You know, I can't look like that. Well, so many people who are in a delicate state after trauma. See, we like to think we're all big and tough and strong adults. But we get in a mentally delicate state. And that's when we're susceptible to these these bullying techniques, to these marketing techniques, to all these things when we're susceptible to those things and we're bombarded with it day by day by day through the holidays, okay? And so-and-so says that we have to do this tradition because everyone's done it for the last hundred years. Well, who cares? They're not here. You don't have to do it, okay? So this is what you really want to understand. Change your idea, your mental picture of what you think the holiday should be. Now, on my in-law side of things, we always did Christmas on New Year's because it was hard for everybody to go to everybody's house all on the one day. So they decided years ago that we're not doing Christmas till New Year's. Okay, do we, do we say, oh, no, that's not tradition. We can't do that. No, we just painted this picture in our minds what Christmas should be, and it happens to be a few days later than everyone else's. It's fine. You are in control of this. You are in charge of what you think Christmas should be like. And this, this holiday season, I want you to realize you have a choice. You have a choice to do what's best for you and your family. You have a choice to, to be there. Um, if, if you want to be, you have a choice to stay home. Um, you shouldn't let anyone make you feel bad about those things. And you have a choice to refocus. You are in charge of your mind. Let the world do its own chaos, its own thing. You choose, you pick and choose what you would like to do this holiday season. And realize, here's the thing. There's no real hard set right and wrong in Christmas. You know, there's no real hard set. The only thing I would really say is leaning towards more wrong is 
don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself so bad uh, when you are battling this kind of anxiety and depression because it's too big for you. It's too big for one person alone to deal with. And if you isolate, the, the darkness will literally overtake you. So that's the only thing I really kind of hedge towards don't do because I have been there, I have done that, and every time I isolate, it overtakes me. Is there anybody on the line that would like to say something? We're getting close to time. Thank you, Sonova. So much wonderful information. I wanted to say that um, I was cheering in my heart when you were saying, we don't have to do it the old way. We don't have to do grandma's traditions. Because, in fact, this Thanksgiving, I did not go to my family. I was invited. I did not go. I had Thanksgiving with my son and my best friend and his partner. And it was just a lovely little meal. And that is my loving circle. That's my circle of supporters, mm-hmm. not the, not the mm-hmm. family members who say mean things and, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep. and, I, and Christmas, I have to share about Christmas because it started off just being um, a couple and playing a little bit of music. And now it's a house concert. And we have three different mm-hmm. musical groups coming. <laughs> and it's oh, a pop. Wonderful. So, that's, I mean, there's yeah. no family involved whatsoever. <laughs> and, see, and I'm very perfect. excited about it. That is perfect. Yeah. Yes. And see, that's the point. The point is, is we are supposed to label this holiday. There are certain values and things that we want to bring into this holiday and celebrate. And you need to take time to figure out what the values of this holiday you want to bring. You know, peace, joy, love, you know, all these things. What do you want to bring? There's values in this holiday that everyone celebrates, and they're all a little bit different according to each person. But you need to figure out what those values are and build your Christmas around that. Build your Christmas around the fact that I would rather have musical guests at my house. I would rather have a potluck with friends. I would rather be with people that lift me up, not people that tear me down. You know, that is what those values that's what's true to those values. That's actually what mm-hmm. the traditions were supposed to do, but unfortunately they don't because a tradition is placed in place by a single individual a lot of times or a group of individuals, and then over time things change and that perfect concept isn't relevant anymore. You know, everything was great when grandma was around and everyone was going to her house and getting together. That was her idea of, of what Christmas should be. Well, she's not here anymore. Nobody gets around. Half the family, they, it's not that they don't talk. It's just we don't have anything in common and they're just kind of scattered to the winds. Um, do I get angry because we don't hold grandma's tradition? Well, no. Uh, you know, that was her, her, her values that she put together for Christmas. And so this is perfect. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I know you're going to have a great time, and you're going to fill your body full of good, happy chemicals, and that's what you need to do, and that's going to make you healthier and stronger for the next year. So th- that's perfect. I love it. I love it. Now, I haven't heard anything from Kim Thank in a you. while. Is Kim still there? 
You there, Kim? Uh, hello, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, I've got. What do you think? I've got a house full of people. So, no, uh, I agree 100%. I know. I spent probably about 15 years trying to keep the traditions that my mom did after she died. Mm-hmm. And that nobody yep. wanted to do it. And it was just fighting a losing battle. And so I tried to do different mm-hmm. things. And I pretty much realized that. Yeah. I need to have, you know, just do what I can with my kids and their, you know, and my grandkids, mm-hmm. too. It hasn't mm-hmm. been easy, though, because, you know. No, it's not. It's, I think, yeah. Yeah, you have this idea that. Nothing I talked about tonight is easy. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's just life. Yeah. <laughs> it's life. Yeah. We've all got to keep yeah. some stuff. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah. I thank you. Yeah, for bringing, just bringing that to light, because it does. Mm-hmm. Make a lot of well, sense. that's the, the thing we need to we need to understand at this time of year. That was your mother's traditions, and they were great and good for her. And now it's time for you to build your own. And then later on, when you pass to the next realm of existence, whatever you believe that is, then um, it will be time for your children and your grandchildren to make their own traditions. And yeah. when they make their own it will be a struggle for them to figure out a new normal. Um, And there might be some back and forth of what should we do and what shouldn't. But whatever they choose to do, if it brings them joy, um, then then it's perfectly okay with them, you know. So, you know, you have to bring your own ask to each one. And then I have some family that try to push their ideals on you. It doesn't matter whether they're right or they're wrong. They have to push it on you. And, and that is absolutely what you need to stop in its tracks to say, listen, that works for you. It doesn't work for me and my family. We have to do something else. And if they're not adult enough to understand that, then it might be time to – I tell, tell my daughter, you love everybody. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love everybody, but some people you have to love over there. and uh, that may that may not be the most christ-like thing to say from a preacher's kid but i'm telling you you have to love people but sometimes some people you have to love over there and it is okay and fully acceptable when it comes to families because they are not they are not compatible personality wise and and the more you force those things together the more collisions you're going to have more fights and uh the quicker people can understand that, um, the better off everyone will be. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation. Um, those of you that are listening now, I appreciate it. Those of you that are, you know, going to listen to it in the future, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, I uh, Do we have any sponsors or anything we have to talk about before we get off? I didn't know how long, how long we were supposed to do that. No, we've got up until... Up until the, the half hour. I know our times are all different in every, everybody's world. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, this is uh, I something was talking, I want but to I was muted. That... Oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> um, this is, I, I do the same thing all the time. Um, but uh, I want you guys to know that, that uh, those of you that will listen to the replay, that there is hope and you should not feel ashamed for changing things because this holiday is not what you were told in elementary school. 
Uh, it is not what you were taught in, in, you know, in church. It is not that. It is a day that you set aside to place your values in. And so it has been relabeled so many times. You choose to label it what works for you. And that's, I think, the main point of this conversation tonight. Um, we Don't feel ashamed if you have to change things. If you can't go somewhere because your abuser will show up, um, it's not worth it. It's not worth going, and it's not worth feeling ashamed about it afterwards if you don't go. Um, that person doesn't deserve any more from you. And uh, so that's, I think, the main point of this conversation. Um, I do have uh, more we could talk about, but I show we've got about 10 minutes. Is that what you show, Annie? Yes, yes. That's okay. right. All right. Is there, anybody, is there anybody else on the call or anything? Okay. Uh, we can Nobody hear Cricket back in. Cricket, would Cricket. you like to have something to say? Yes. Okay. Cricket always has to say. As a former foster, I'm speaking as a former foster, um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who do not have anybody. They're forgotten at the holidays. So if you know of anybody that doesn't have anybody, um, just give them a little shout out or slip a card in their in their mailbox. It would make a big difference. Mhm. It does. And something insignificant like a card that you might think, oh well, it's no big deal. It's just a card. It's whatever. Somebody's gonna throw it away. That may be life changing for someone. And that's what people yes. don't understand. Something that might seem five seconds to do, um, irrelevant to you. It literally could, this is what always, I take when I go on on a show like this, I take it very seriously. I study in advance. I, I try to be as prepared as possible because this is how powerful your words can be. We could be talking tonight. The three of us are on the call right now. I don't know who's listening in on online, but there could be somebody out there on the verge of suicide and your words, your kindness, your gift of a card that seems so minute to you could be enough to save a human life, okay, to just give them a glimmer of hope to realize that they are valuable to somebody. This is what I want you guys to know. If you're listening, make sure and call somebody. If you are in the state of darkness, and I call it darkness because that's what it feels like. You feel like you're sinking in quicksand, you can't breathe, you can't get uh, your head on straight, you can't think straight, everything's dark, you can't see anything positive. If you're that deep in the quagmire of depression, please call somebody. You are yes. valuable a, as a human being, and you are supposed to be here for a reason. You have a purpose. Go there's ahead. a new crisis, a new crisis line for mental health. It's nine eight eight. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So if anybody's in that 
you know, where they need help, call 988. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. on the on Reach the NASCAR website, on the NASCAR website, mm-hmm. there is a list of survivors of child abuse who have put their numbers there, and they're available to mm-hmm. talk to. So if you're having a crisis, that's a good a good resource for you. The n a a s c a dot org NASCAR dot org. Yes, we have six please, minutes. Please call if you're having. Okay, well, I have, um, I want to address one more thing. If I had enough time, I was going to talk about it, but I wasn't sure if we have enough time, so we do. So I'm going to throw it in. I made this little graphic, and I, I don't have any way of showing it because I'm, I'm used to doing live videos where I can pop something up on the screen. But um, if you follow my Facebook page, uh, Sonova Inc. Publishing, I'll try to pop it up there. But it, there's basically three spheres in life that you can focus on, three spheres, so three circles, and they are inside one another, okay? So you have the smallest sphere is what you can control, okay? So you can focus on things you can control. And then just outside of that sphere is things that you can influence, okay? And that's just a little bit bigger circle, encompassing what you can control. And then everything else outside of those spheres is out of your control. Okay, so this is what I was asked on this last talk show interview that I did. What do I do about the bad memories? Because they all come flooding back at Christmas time. This is where you have to really decide. What are you going to place your focus on? Tony Robbins has a great saying, where focus goes, energy flows. Okay, You put your energy to whatever you're focusing on. And too many times we are focusing on all of this stuff out here. It's like outer space full of stuff that we can't do anything about. Now, there's some things that we can influence and there's some things that we can control. But those things, those circles are kind of small, okay? But we spend all of our time fretting and worrying about the things out here that we can't do nothing about. And so at Christmas time, if you are starting to get into that, uh, that stress level of focusing on all of this chaos out here, you're going to have to turn your focus to things that you can do something about. I tell people to stop ifing themselves to death. What if I did this? What if I had done that? What if I had said this? What if I had called so-and-so before they passed? What if I had stop ifing yourself to death and stop shooting yourself to death? What should I, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. You are focusing on things that are ending possible for you. You can influence it and you can't control it. So you're focusing on this vacuum of outer space work of stuff that is really none of your concern, none of your business. You can't do nothing about it. And that's kind of harsh and straight to the point. But this is what we need to realize. All of that out there, you've got to release to the universe. And only thing you can focus on are things you can influence and things you can control. If you can't control it or influence it, you have to let it go. And that doesn't say when you let it go that it justifies the thing that happened because it may be trauma or abuse. It doesn't justify it. It doesn't say that they were right or you were right or they were wrong or you were wrong. It doesn't do anything. 
but release you from the pain is all it does, okay? But how monumental is that, releasing you from the pain? That's a monumental. When you start slipping off into that stressful habit um, of thinking of the loved ones that aren't around your Christmas table or thinking, I don't even have a table for people to be around for Christmas or, you know, whatever the situation is, think, okay, is this in the little circle that I can control? No, it's not. Okay, is it in the little bit bigger circle, the medium circle that I can influence? No. Okay, then it must be out here, and I can't focus on that. Zenova says, let that go. Let that outer space filled full of chaos, let the universe handle that because I can't. Okay, and so that's what I wanted to touch on before we before we got off. We we got two minutes left, but I want you guys to think about. Take a moment and see: is can I control this? Can I influence it? And if the answer is no to those, then you have to let it go. Annie, are you still there? Do we have music that rolls us out? How does this work? We do. We have music that's going to come on. Just let me say thank you so much. You did a great job, and I learned a lot. Thank you, Kim, uh-huh. and thank you, Cricket, thank you, and thank you, listeners. Thank you, Tune in again tomorrow night, same time, same station. Okay, and here's the song. Have a good evening. Don't